0: Thank uh. you. Welcome to The Big Interview. The Big Interview from the Customer Experience Foundation is our weekly podcast where we talk to the people at the sharp end of CX and contact centres, the movers and the shakers, the innovators, the disruptors and the people delivering in the real world who share their personal stories of their journey through our industry. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Marianne Withers. Marianne is a known leader in the contact centre industry with over 30 years experience, offering valuable knowledge and expertise with a youthful, inventive and excitable approach to technology-led solutions. From working her way up to becoming UK Operations Director for one of the leading BPO outsourcers, Marianne moved into operational and technology consultancy for several years before setting up and being Chief Chief Operational Officer for a specialist outsourcer for over six years. This year, Marianne decided to establish the Verity Centre, a tech-empowered specialist boutique con- contact centre. Marianne, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us today.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah.
0: So talk us about uh, your current role and uh, some of the current challenges you've you found setting up the Verity Centre and what you hope to achieve.
1: Yes, Um. so... It seems like a grand title at the moment, but the title is CEO. Um, challenges at the moment. Um, I'm not actually finding many. In, um, and the main reason being is that I've got a very organized and structured to everything that I'm looking at and how I'm setting it up um, and how we're planning and organizing it. Um, the only thing that I've had a challenge with is getting a photocopier. Which is a very odd kind of a thing, but that's a story for an, another another day. But the majority of things are moving forward in the right direction, and I think challenges are only as challenging as that you make them. And if you are kind of organized and structured um, in what you do, then actually it becomes what it has been for the last you know uh, few months a lot of fun.
0: And talk us about some of the recent roles you've had over the last uh, five to 10 years.
1: Wow. Uh, okay. Um, so we, we kind of said for the, the last six and a half years, basically, I was the COO of um, your centre, which is um, a, was a boutique outsourcer. But I think more importantly from that before is five and a half years, I was um, a consultant in operational technology, um and part of that two and a half years of it was i was brought back into the listing company by the ceo and CRO, uh neville and adrian in their buyout with circo and i was brought back in to help them um actually go around all their sites and all different projects and actually put them in the back uh, and sort them out operationally and, and what that did considering I was doing it for, you know, some of the, the, the major big boys out there, and I've spent my life of of doing this, is going in, either setting things up for people, or 70% going in and sorting things out for people. Um, normally looking at complete transformation of of, of operations um, to achieve what they should be achieving. And with all that in mind is why I persuaded Adrian to set up um, your centre. Um but as I said, um, things move on, things are different with, with the, you know, in, in investors. And, and I decided this year that I wanted to completely kind of uh, go out um, on my own, bring an investor in, but, you know, with a smaller uh, percentage and um, actually do it all, all again. So I've got an absolutely beautiful blank piece of paper to be able um, to enlighten everyone on the vision and culture that I want for the company.
0: And um, you've had a long career. What would, you, what are the most recent achievements, and what are you most proud of throughout your career? Some of the uh, transformations and improvements that you've undertaken.
1: Ah, right, okay. <laughs> it, it, it's really weird because I was thinking about proud moments, and actually, my thought of proud moments was having a child because I never thought I would. <laughs> um That's so, it. Yeah, Um how does moment in, in, in work, I think there's been so many because I get ridiculously excited over everything I, I do. I mean, probably, you know, one of the biggest things um, was taking over Banbury site for Cytel, uh a number of years ago and the whole site was in um, something like 35% loss. And within three months, I put it into 37% profit.
0: And how, did you, you know, how did you achieve that, Marianne? Talk us through some of the things uh, that, you, that you would do to, to achieve that.
1: Well, well, firstly, I spent probably the first two weeks just sitting out with every part of the operation and trying to understand all the people and talk to the people and see how they felt about what was going on. And then you kind of take in all of your management information to be able to cross analyze it, to understand against what you know people are saying of what is the factual information of what is happening. Um, people wise, there was a lot of people in the wrong roles. There was inbound people doing outbound, outbound people who was in, inbound because it was more about putting people in, not actually looking at their capability and skills that so they were doing the right projects. Um, Financially, it wasn't being scrutinised, and, you know, to me, I look at financials on a daily basis um, to understand the complexities with each of the projects, because I like little business centres and outsourcers to see, you know, what is making, what is not making, to really kind of understand where you can actually tweak it. And there's areas, you know, how people are paid, how they're bonused. Um, Is it the right structure? Um, what is the leadership like there? And, you know, I found at the time when I moved in there, um, the person who was leading the site spent most of the time off-site with clients and was actually just allowing the other management get on and not actually bringing those managers together to empower them in the right way um, to actually manage the rest of the kind of site. So one of the things, you know, I always look at is you lead from the top and you bring a team together and inspire them, um, but also educate them, um, understand their capabilities and skills, you know, all, all the different elements, a lot of situational management to really understand what needs being de- developed, what need, what is absolutely you can delegate to. Um, but also, I think ownership is really massive is the fact that there's a lot of blame culture out in the marketplace. And as a leader, you know, whatever happens, you have to take it on the chin that you are responsible for everything that's actually happening. Um, so it's it's a lot of time analyzing and looking carefully and then bringing the people together to implement um, all of the plans that you've kind of,
0: Mapped out, and where do companies get it wrong? Yeah, you know, what can what can we learn?
1: The blame culture thing is, is one that I'm finding in a number of companies, um, but it, it's more about the lack of leadership. We seem to have directors and maybe senior managers who want to spend more time on the golf course or in other places, then um, they've become more hands-off totally. There's nothing wrong with golf, and I appreciate that, and golf at the right time is okay. But empowerment is very important. But in empowerment, you you look at delegating. But as a leader, you should also own it as well as the person that you delegate to. But what I found and see in places and what goes massively wrong is management abdicating. And, you know, it's yes, give it, empower you, but no, you're responsible completely and utterly and that. And I, I've never worked on the fact of give people enough rope. You know, my point is I empower people, let them get on with it. But if they need to ask a question, I'm here to be able to guide Because if you do have knowledge and skills and capability, what you should be there is for your people to guide them. So the difference is is this massive abdication of get on with it, you know, and if you give them enough rope, they'll hang themselves or they'll do absolutely great. But I've kind of always had a proactive approach of looking at the fact that I want everything to be as perfect as it can be. And what I don't want to do is for someone to fail because I couldn't give them twenty minutes of my time to be able to support them if they needed something. So I think that, and the other area, um, and it's something we've talked about in in the past, is the fact of knowledge and skill sets and the, the kind of the teaching and the education of people. Um, the problem is, is with this abdication and letting people go on it, they're teaching people by opinion, not by p- capability and skill. So what you're actually getting is as it pro- uh, progresses and education happens, it's all getting diluted and there is not the skills and capability there that there once was. And so that's a massive area I think that we can take huge learning from and, and utilise the right people that are out there that actually do have the right skills. And I suppose it's the the last point on that is everyone I talk to says they're an expert. (laughs) Everyone can't be an expert, you know, and, and I think we have to really carefully look at this and maybe change terminology of what we call people because, you know, there are only a certain amount of experts in the market.
0: That's very, very true. Um, You've been in the sector a very long time. What would you say the biggest issue is you've ever had to overcome?
1: Um, This was quite a long time ago. Um, I was a front of house officer in St. David's Hall in Cardiff. And and why I would say it's the biggest issue is because um, I had a knife pulled on me. Um, and if anyone knows St. David's um, Hall in Cardiff, there's steps outside and there were people sitting on them um, and a the number of times people being asked to, um, you know, to remove themselves. And I went out and there were a group of guys sitting on there and I kind of said, you know, guys, can you, can you move on, please? Anyway, they all stood up and this one guy came um, forward to me with a knife. And, you know, having to think on my feet, I, I closed my eyes and said, um, look, I haven't seen you. I've closed my eyes. I don't know what you look like. Here's your chance now to go, and I won't say anything. And he walked towards me, and he said, but you will say anything. I said, no, honestly, I won't. My eyes are closed. Just just go quickly and run. Um, I said, this is your chance. So he did. And uh, he he ran away quite quickly. And then, you know, that adrenaline that's inside you all kind of goes, oh, my God, everything. And all these people walked out of St. David's Hall, all these folks, and I'm kind of like, where were you? But what I would say is, is because, I mean, I've worked on – For the housing advice center for the housing department for five years and i was on the front of house desk um giving advice and we had no glass so the actual customer service it it taught me was second to none because the fact uh, you know i had my leg broken there was chased around the advice center yeah one of my colleagues had a phone put in their face so we spent a lot of time understanding how to communicate and respond to quite a number of people who might be extremely frustrated with the whole system, or we had people down in Amsterdam off the street because we were by the bus station. So the housing department got me ready for a situation of someone putting a knife to me and me being able to placate the situation and get out of it.
0: Yeah really fascinating and uh that would have stood you in good stead for some of the challenges in the contact center no doubt um
1: absolutely um I, what i found with that keith is that any difficult situation that happens in any place that i've ever been i've been the person that has been called upon because they know i can talk my way out of the situation. And you know, and it is a lot about having the right empathy, the right understanding and listening.
0: Yes, I, I would agree with that. Who would you say have been who or what would you say have been the biggest influences on your life and your career? Where does this where um, does this passion where does this passion and drive come from? The and passion commitment. and
1: drive started because of my dad. Um um, my dad was a metallurgist chemist in the steelworks and he wanted, um, boys and he ended up with two girls. Um, and my first birthday present was a rugby ball. My second birthday present was a cricket bat. Um, he was a scrum half, um, and an extremely good scrum half. Um, he's in the Cardiff book, um, a number of times and he's competitive spirit and eager for kind of everything he did was absolutely amazing and you know in a oh god he worked ridiculous strict uh, shifts um and so I, when he was at home i used to kind of watch star trek and um, um john wayne films with him and the fact is that the or went to the rugby went to the cricket went to the football so it was constantly brought up on a total competitive spirit. And then when I went to school, um, you know, it was a massive support. Um, I was a high jump champion um, for three years of, of Wales. Um, I then trained in contemporary dance and then went on to row for Land of Rowing Club. And I was the captain and um, of every sporting thing that you could think of you could do in school. So yeah, my dad absolutely massively. He was he was an absolute fantastic man, very funny, very intelligent. But I think I also will have to um, on my life and especially my career in the future is, is is kind of split between two people. One is my husband Kane, who has been probably one of the most amazing supports, and and he's put up with me for thirty five years. So. I think a round of applause should be given out to him completely. Um, But, yeah, no, he's always been there for me, and I've moved him around the country so many times for consultancies and different jobs. And, um, yeah, he still puts up with me. Um, But I suppose a a massive influencer and a mentor was a lady called Wendy Bailey from Golly Slater in Cardiff. she, when, um, Alastair Golly owned the company, um, she owned the yep. recruitment advertising part and also the telemarketing arm. And I, I worked for them three times altogether. First one was two years, then five years, and then another year. Um, and, yeah, I, mean, I think I works out all roundabout. Um, but she, what i did was take she was absolutely fantastic at what she did um but what i did was take the great things and then learned uh the things not to do because there were certain things that were not correct and were not right um so no she was an absolutely wonderful uh mentor and you know i'm, I'm sorry to say that she's she's kind of passed now um but yeah, she taught communication-wise and the whole kind of structure and how you deal with things and just the emphasis that you put on everything to be correct and how you organise everything.
0: She was superb. Fantastic. Going back to the education and business that we touched on earlier, you've spoken with me before about the importance of People in the um, contact centre, particularly in an outsourced environment, having a wider understanding of business. Can you expand on that for us about why that's important? Can um, you do that?
1: Yeah, I when I have a look at it, is that and what I'm finding in a lot of places, and I have done over the years, and then I've gone into places and changed the way they've actually done it and brought this in. But we have all these um, people, lovely, lovely people on the phones doing a job. They get taken in, they get trained on, this is the script, this is the words, this is the flow that you need to do. But they're not actually given in training the understanding of, of why. And actually, a lot of them have no idea about how a business is made up. I mean, especially in a lot of outsourcers who hire between the ages, you know, of 17 to 25. If you actually speak to a lot of those um, young, young people and ask them how much they know about business acumen and how businesses are made up, you know, unless they've actually done an actual degree in business, then they don't know. So what I found over the time is that if you add modules in to give more understanding how businesses work, why we're trying to do things, especially if you're looking at anything that is to do with business development or, or sales or customer service. Customer service is all about loyalty and keeping a customer. It costs between four and ten times as much to get a new customer as an, an, an existing customer to keep. So. Give them that understanding so they know why every record is important, whether it's a customer they're talking to or it's a new potential customer. Because that new potential customer, if you get them in the right place on the first call, they may not buy from you. But one, you get the consent to ring back. Two, you get a pipeline. And then you can nurture and develop the people. And that's on that side of it. So there's wins on all elements of this of actually just give you people understanding of what they're actually doing and why they're doing it, because you will see an increase in positivity, attitude, just mental ability in what they're actually doing.
0: Fantastic. As you can see,
1: I'm passionate over that.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, quite uh, quite rightly so. Um as you know, we always like to ask our guests to reflect and help those coming up through the industry today. So you can go back to being 25 again. What advice would you give to your younger self?
1: Um, stop being so arrogant. <laughs> um, uh, and, and then a little, little, a little bit obnoxious at times. Um Oh, I I don't know I I, I kind of uh, rebelled over kind of certain things um, and 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 then you kind of learn how to handle it a lot better um, I, I don't it wasn't arrogance in a bad way it was about being really young and excitable so now I'm older and still very excitable but are very humbled by a lot of things and and appreciate, um, you know, a lot of people and, you know, what's happened through the years and the people I've met and the respect that I have for people. So I would say, yeah, not to be so arrogant. And I think that – and actually have a respect. You know, being 25 – You know, they they know a lot of things, which is great, and you need to utilise that. But what I would say to a 25-year-old is please have respect for more mature people who have got a lot of information to give you. And I think that at that time, that was probably my arrogant self, is, you know, you slightly think you know more than you actually do.
0: I can certainly agree with that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how do you unwind and escape escape from it all? So tell us a few things about you that we wouldn't know from looking at your LinkedIn profile.
1: Um, well, it doesn't say anything about the sport I love. Um, I oh, I, I'm extremely Welsh, of course, um, and extremely pleased that Wales have gone through to the quarterfinals and um, and we played fantastic against italy so yes, yeah, sport is a massive thing um I, I i don't do um that much sport now i do cycling um and i go out cycling with my with my husband but it it's uh, you know whether it's rugby cricket football uh basketball you know i i, I watch a lot of sport and also adore films um so that and other than that because I probably work too much and uh, uh, my husband keeps telling me and tells me to unwind oh so there's an unwinding thing. Gilmore girls everyone it is the nicest thing to to unwind to um, and then I enjoy going out to our local pub with my husband and friends um, again I'm a very sociable person and I absolutely adore. Um, sitting around and just chatting with them
0: absolutely fantastic Marianne it's been fascinating having you with us today I hope our listeners found this as insightful as I have you can find out lots more about the customer experience foundation at cxfo.org we thank you for joining us at the customer experience foundation today and we hope you can join us next time on the big Interview.